4, if you'd like to please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 4. Beginning in verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. I want to read verse 10 to you one more time. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. I want to preach to you tonight with God's help and with your help on a message entitled, The Name of Jesus. The Name of Jesus. Let us pray. Reverend Tuhig, sir, would you please pray over our message and messenger. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Say thank you to Sister Devonshire and Sister Hill and those who put together the ladies' fellowship last night. And uh, from what I heard, it seemed like a bunch of ladies had a good time there making wreaths and fellowshipping and eating food. I mean, isn't it always that Christians get together to eat? Amen? It just seems we get together to eat. If there's no food, it's not a good time. But... uh, (laughs) We do appreciate Sister Devonshire, her labor, Sister Hill, and everybody else who was involved in that. I don't know who all uh, worked on it, but thank you so much. It's a blessing to have time to get together. Amen? Amen. Again, I'm preaching to you tonight about the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. And I didn't read all of it to you, but tonight, maybe for your homework assignment, you could go back and read chapter 3 in the book of Acts and chapter 4 in the book of Acts. And you will find that God was moving in the midst. Now, sometimes when we read these portions of Scripture, we tend to take out a phrase and begin to use it like it's a magic spell, especially when we start talking about the name of Jesus. People think, well, all I've got to do is say, Pray, and then at the end of my prayer, say, in the name of Jesus, and it will come to pass. And it leaves people frustrated sometimes because they're looking at it like a, a piece of phrase, a, a, an English part of the, an, a part of the English language, like it's, a, like it's a spell, like it's a recitation. I'm going to say it, and I'm guaranteed to get what I want. But even from the Bible, we find that that's not the case. There were some men, the Bible called them the seven sons of Siva or Sceva, depending how you want to pronounce their, uh, that name, who they tried to cast out some demons. 
And they said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, we adjure you to come out of this man. And the Bible said that the spirits spoke back to them and said, Jesus we know, Paul we know, and Jesus we know, but who are you? And they did not leave the man. Now, was the problem Jesus in the name of Jesus? No, that wasn't the problem. But you begin to understand that it's not just this phrase that has the power, but it's the meaning behind the phrase. The meaning behind the phrase. You see, when we come and we ask God for something in the name of Jesus, it's not the the words that we're basing our ask and and our uh, authority on. It's the understanding that God loved me so much, he sent Jesus to die for me. And that Jesus loved me so much, he willingly was crucified on the cross. He was spit upon, his beard was plucked out, he was, he was uh, beaten with the cat of nine tails. He was, um, the word is escaping me, but it will come to me in just a second. He was very horribly tortured. Fought scourge, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. It's always good to have a second brain out there somewhere, amen? (laughs) Scourged and flogged. And then even when he was hung upon the cross with the nails through his hands and through his feet, and his side was pierced, it didn't end there. But he went to hell, and he suffered for you and I. And at the end of the time there, he took his blood and he brought it to the Father and he presented that blood to the Father as payment for our sins. And so from then on out, those of us who have come to Christ, we come to Christ with this understanding. I don't have any standing to come to God the Father in myself. It's not because of any good that I've done. It's not because of my many prayers or my much giving. It's not because of all the uh, old ladies I helped across the street or the people I held the umbrella for. None of that. The only standing I have is in the name of or in the authority of Jesus. So I come to the Father in the name of Jesus, in the authority of Jesus, and because of that, God has promised that that those who come in his name, in that authority, understanding the relationship that we have with God, that he would vouchsafe for those prayers. He would back them up. He would be the guarantor, and he would bring them to pass. So when Paul prayed, or Peter prayed, or any of the disciples prayed, and they said, as a matter of fact, in this uh, Bible setting, if you go back to chapter 3, the Bible tells us that there was a man, a lame man there, sat down at the gate called Beautiful. He was there begging for the people, begging from the church folks that were going into the synagogue at the hour of prayer. And Peter and John walked up there and they saw the man and they had compassion on the man. You gotta like the fact that they looked beyond just the the, uh, idea that it was time to pray and time to do our religious duty, but they saw a person in need. People should always trump our routine or our ritual. Amen? Care and concern for souls should be more important than just checking off the religious box. And so when they saw that man and he was looking on them expecting to get silver and gold, Peter had to tell him, I'm sorry, I don't have any silver and gold, but I got something. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and he lifted him up and the man was healed. Now, it wasn't that 
phrase that did the healing. Peter was understanding. I don't have power to heal you, but I'm coming in the authority of. I'm coming with Jesus having signed the check, and I'm asking God to heal you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And so now we understand it's not just the words. It's the relationship that Peter had with God. And he came to God expecting God to back up the words because it was standing upon the authority of Jesus. That's what we've got to understand. And that's why so many people sometimes, they almost bring shame to God. Walking around and saying, in the name of Jesus this, in the name of Jesus that, in the name of the Jesus other. And they don't even know Jesus themselves. And so they're asking and they're, they're, they're begging and they're wanting something from God. But they're just like those seven sons of Sceva. They see it in somebody else's life. They know there's power there. But they think the power is in the spell, the incantation, the reciting of the name, and not in the relationship. And so they miss what's going on. Now, take that a step further. Some of you who are brand new Christians, you've come and you've given your heart to God. God has saved you. If you're saved, you know you've been saved. Your life has changed. You know your sins have been washed away. You are now clean. Sometimes we even sense that, 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 that spiritual sense of being clean. You get up from the altar and say, man, all my, my heavy load of sins is gone. I've been forgiven. And we sense that clen- cleansing. And we sense that relationship. We begin to pray. We find a joy in walking with God. We find a pleasure in reading the word of God. We find a, a joy in coming to the house of God. But then somebody comes by and begins to infiltrate our faith by planting seeds of doubt. And they'll say something like, well, have you been baptized in Jesus' name? And if you have not had that special phraseology used, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus, then you are not saved. You still with me? And so suddenly that brand new Christian who knows God has forgiven them, who understands that they've been changed, who understands that they've been cleansed, now has a doubt sown in their heart because they didn't have a certain phraseology added to their baptismal um, um, event. And the devil will sometimes use that to say, well, you haven't been saved yet. But we're not saved by these words. Do you understand? It's not this title or this label. Jesus said, whosoever gives uh, a prophet a glass of water in my name shall not lose his reward. Did Jesus really mean that we're supposed to take that glass of water and say, I give you this water, Brother Tuig, in the name of Jesus? Or did he mean that because of the kindness and the love that God has put in me, and now I'm no longer prejudiced, and I don't look at the skin color or where you're from or all those things, and now there's love that wells up in my heart. So because of God changing me, and because of God revolutionizing my thought pattern, and because I've been born again, now I give this glass of water in the name of Jesus because of the authority that God has changed me, and in Jesus' name I give him that. It's not the, the, the phrase. Now, I don't want you to, to think 
that you shouldn't say in the name of Jesus. I'm not saying that. I just want you to understand what you're saying when you do say it. And I want you to understand just the empty saying of the name without the relationship and the understanding and the faith to back it up will not get what you want to get done. When we say in the name of Jesus, it's saying, I know it's not me. But I'm coming in the name above every name. In the name of Jesus, the demons have to flee. In the name of Jesus, because he is great and I understand he is greater. And it's not just a a lucky rabbit's foot that I'm holding on to or a a holy oil or a cross and I'm putting up against the, the devil. It's not some external thing, but it's a spiritual understanding that God's son, Jesus Christ, who is God himself, loved me so much that he came down and said, that guy needs help. That lady, she needs saved. And he went to the cross not because he was guilty and he needed to be restored, but because you needed to be restored and I needed to be restored. And he said, I love them so much, I will save them. And I, not only that, but I will continually save them. As we learned in the book of Hebrews, we are saved to the uttermost. That means completely every aspect of our life is saved, but also saved until the end. Now, All of that being said, we find the name of Jesus woven among, is that the right word, Uh, threaded among chapter 3 and chapter 4 over and over and over again. It was the name of Jesus because of the authority. Now, Now that I've taught you that, I want you to understand if I use the phrase, I'm not just using the words, okay? I'm talking about the relationship And I understand that the person who used that phrase of coming to God in his authority, it was through the authority in the name of Jesus that this man was healed. And then when he was healed and he began to leap and run around and everybody gathered together and Peter began to preach. And when he began to preach, that name of Jesus began to affect people. Now why was it so offensive Because the name of Jesus was saying there can be forgiveness of sins without you earning it. Whereas the scribes and Pharisees almost had a complete uh, religion based upon what you need to do to be right with God. And so this was a threat to them. For them, for Peter to come out and say, listen, you can be forgiven because of what Jesus has done for you. You don't have to uh, offer this sacrifice or offer that sacrifice because Jesus has offered the sacrifice. He gave himself. And so now you're not having to uh, be under the thumb of the scribes and Pharisees, the priests and the Levites, and live by the dictates of the law. But you have been saved because of what Jesus did for you. And when he began to preach that in the name of Jesus, Jesus, you can be forgiven and you can be delivered. The priests didn't like that because they were going to lose their power. So they said, we got to get rid of him. And they took those, those preachers and they locked them up. Now, interesting to note, God didn't set them free from this jail. Not that night. They did have to spend the night in jail. You still with me? That night, they spent that night in jail. Later on, we know that they were rejoicing that they were worthy, kind of worthy to suffer shame for his name. But the next day, they brought him back out. 
And when they brought him back out, the original, the original charge was this, verse 1 of chapter 4, if you want to go back and read it. As they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They didn't like the fact that they were talking that they could be, they could come back alive from the dead. And I was thinking about this today. Because I was thinking about those who have passed. Brother Malding, who would sit just about where maybe Sister Williams is sitting about every Sunday. Who at one time was an usher and everything. And uh, before he had moved to Thailand and then came back, he's... He's gone from this life. I got to thinking about others, people that we used to see. You can think about Sister Finch. I asked somebody recently, I think it was tonight, do you remember who Sister Finch was? I was harassing the, the girls about, aren't you glad, guys, that we don't have to wear high heels? Hey, Amen. I said, how do you walk like that? Man, that's kind of weird. We were talking back and forth. I said, Sister Finch, man, she was 90-some years old. She still come with those heels. I would tease her. She had those big heels, and they would kind of sink into the grass. I said, Sister, you're helping to aerate our lawn. <laughs> Putting holes down in the lawn, keeping it green. But as I thought about the various ones, I thought, it's not too much longer. We're going to leave this life. Not too much longer. I'm going to breathe my last breath. I've got to hand that, that baton on to somebody else, as do you. But that's not the end of me. Because when I die here, I will be resurrected there. I will go to be in the presence of my Lord and Savior. And I thought about that today, and I, it made me want to examine my heart again. I want to be clean. God, is there anything that's not right? I want to be right with God. I want to be ready that when that time comes, I can say, even so, come, Lord Jesus. It's through Jesus that we have that opportunity. You don't get that opportunity if, you're, uh, if you believe in Muhammad. You don't get that opportunity if you believe in that Mary is your Savior. It's only through Jesus, understanding that it was he who died for us. It's through him that we have a chance to be raised again. It's through him that we have a chance for eternal life. It's in that name. But not only in his name is the resurrection, but in his name there's healing. Now when they all gathered together and, the, and they began to say, what in the world is going on? And not only the first day when that lame man was healed, but the second day you got to like this. That dude came back. He didn't just forget them. Man, I'm glad I'm healed. He went about his business. But when those people need somebody to stand with them, he was there. He was there. Why? Because he could say, man, these guys, they helped me. And because they helped me, I want to stand with them. I'm not going to turn my back. I'm not going to try to stab them. I'm not going to take off, let them fend for themselves. No, that's not a, a Christian friend. A Christian friend stands with you. And they stood there. And Peter and John said, if you really want to know by what power and by what authority this man stands before you whole, he said, be it known unto you all that it's in the name of Jesus 
In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. In one sense, Peter was saying, listen, I may have been the conduit through which the miracle came. I may have been the one that invoked the name of Jesus and understood and had faith for him to heal. But I wasn't the one that healed him. It was through Jesus that he's healed. It was through Jesus that, re- that died and that was raised again. It was through him that this man stands before you whole, which gives us hope not only for the resurrection, but it gives us hope for healing. Amen. The Bible said, by his stripes ye were healed. And so when sickness tries to attack your body, you can fight back. And you can say, wait a second, by his stripes I was healed. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I rebuke this sickness. I understand that it was God already paid for it. He already made a way that I don't have to suffer. He already made a way that I don't have to be in pain. And so I am appropriating what God already provided for me. Hey, Christian, you got to understand something. The stuff that you think automatically comes to you at salvation, it has to be appropriated. It's like you inherited a whole schnook's grocery store. That wouldn't be bad, would it? And you're standing outside the doors hungry. And we're on the inside munching on Takis, amen, eating lettuce and celery for those who are healthy, over there scooping out some quarts of ice cream and hagen Say, man, this is so good. And you're out there crying and saying, oh, I'm so hungry. Hey, dummy, open up the door. Amen. Come on in. It's provided for you, but you got to enter in and get it. There's no reason that we should be sad. God has provided God. It's God that desires us to have joy. But you've got to take the joy. And if the devil can convince you to stay sad and depressed and discouraged, that's good for him. Because you have no power when you're in that situation. But when you say, wait a second, Jesus came that I could have joy. Jesus wants me to rejoice evermore. Jesus said, I want you to have life and that more abundantly. So why am I settling for anything less than what Jesus said I should have? You've got to walk in and grab it. You've got to get in and take it. And not sit back and let the enemy keep you in some depressed, discouraged, downtrodden, sickened individual with no joy and no purpose in life. That's not how God intended you to be. He did not intend for your life to be wrapped up in self and just making money and fixing your house up and buying clothes, purses, and computer gadgets and phones. Clothes and purses were the ladies. Computer gadgets and phones. I had to add to get the men because the ladies would say, you're just preaching about the ladies. Amen? All right. Going on. There's healing in his name. There is, listen to this. He said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I can't be saved through Mary. I can't be saved through uh, St. Anthony or St. Luke or St. Mark or St. John. I can't be saved through St. Tuhig. You can't be saved through St. Devonshire. Yes, we are saints. Wait a second. Yes, we are saints. 
We're not sinners saved by grace. Man, I've been saved. I've been sanctified. I've already been made holy by God. God in me. Am I going to discredit what Jesus did by saying I'm a sinner? I was a sinner. But now I'm a saint. Amen? Now, I don't think you should walk around saying Saint Annie and Saint Renee. Amen? Maybe you should. Maybe that would inspire us all to live a little holier, right? Hey, Saint Ivory, how you doing tonight? I don't know. But we are saints, sanctified, separated, made holy. He said there's salvation in no other name, not in Muhammad, not in Buddha, not in Confucius, uh, not in any other name. There's not salvation in Joseph Smith. There's not salvation in, in uh, Russell, Taz Russell. There's not salvation in Mary Baker Eddy. There's no salvation in any other name but the name of Jesus. Not just that, those five letters, but through what he did. And because of what he did, I understand when I come to Jesus, I am understanding that I have sinned. There's no way for me to get right with God by myself. But Jesus made a way. He paid the price that I could come to him. He bridged that impossible gap. Gulf from my sin to his righteousness by the cross of Calvary. He paid the price. Now, when you understand that, shouldn't that make you live a little bit differently? Shouldn't that make you come to church not because you like the sister, you like the brother, you like the music, or you like the pastor, or you like uh, whatever it might be. Shouldn't it say say to you, you know what, even if the sister snarls at me, I'm in church because of Jesus. Even if the brother frowns at me, even if he breathes his bad breath on me, you should use mints, brush your teeth, use mouthwash, amen? Amen. But occasionally when you're breathing garlic and onions and, and you melt somebody's eyelashes, you don't stop coming to church. Amen? Because somebody offended me and somebody, I like the sister, but she didn't like me. Well, there's some other sister that will like you, hopefully, one day. Brush your teeth, take a bath, it'll help. Amen? Put some stink good on. I mean some cologne, right? All right. Going on. Salvation, no other name. But him, get ready, musicians, i got two points. I'm going to cover them quickly. Verse 13, he says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. What does Jesus give me? Boldness. Amen? When I understand I've got God backing me up, when I understand it's not me that has to back up all these prayers, I can't heal a sick fly. I don't have an unending bank account. And if you've been, if you've been in the ministry in length of time, you know people come and we, we try to help folks. But they come and there's an unending stream of needs. Man, I was calling today, checking up on him, and he said, uh, if, if everything was true, I just had a, a two heart attacks. I had a stent put in my... my uh, I've got another surgery scheduled for so-and-so. While this was happening, somebody stole my identity, and they got my ID cards. And, and, and then while that was happening, I had black mold just destroy everything in my household. I don't even have underwear to wear. I don't even have a blanket. I'm sleeping under a towel. And my heart went out. But there's just an unending stream of, of need. And sometimes, sometimes we can meet that need. Sometimes we should. We don't ever want to become calloused. But at the same time, you and I are limited. But you know who's unlimited? 
God. And God, and I can pray and say, God, I need you to help me, or I need you to help that one. I need you to help the other one. And God has all the gold and silver on a th- uh, all the gold and silver, all the cattle on a thousand hills. God owns it all. Now, sometimes He'll do it through us. Amen. Then finally, in verse twenty-nine and thirty-one, He said this: "And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto Thy servants that with all boldness." They may speak thy word. How? By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. He said, I want, he was praying and said, God, we need boldness. Because the more persecution comes, the more we're tempted to tamp it down. The more we're attacked, the more we're tempted to, to not speak up. And so we need boldness, God. Boldness to speak your name. And God, we ask that you would give us this boldness. How? By granting signs and wonders to be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Brother, we ought to pray bold prayers in Jesus' name. We ought to go up to somebody. I remember this fellow, he was in the hospital. He was just getting done praying with somebody. And he got on the hospital elevator. And as he got on, this other couple got on. And they were depressed and discouraged. And the lady was saying, play softly, please. The lady was saying, well, the doctor said there's nothing else we can do. And the husband said, well, can't we go to a specialist? Isn't there somebody else? And they said, well, we've been to every specialist. There's nothing else that we can do. They said, I'm just going to go home to die. And when that preacher heard that, Something rose up within him, and he reached out, and he touched, grabbed that lady in the head and said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And at first, the husband reached over trying to, you know, uh, protect his wife. What's this guy doing touching my wife? But after he was done praying, the lady said, it's gone. It's gone. I can feel it's gone. She said, what do you mean it's gone? I mean it's gone. I know God has healed me. There's got to be that type of boldness. The more we go into this demonic society that's surrounded by filth and it's pumped in through the internet and through the TV and the movies, the more Christians have to stand up and stand out. The more Christians have to stop being wimpy, easily offended, comfort-seeking little snowflakes that melt and every sign of, of a, a little bit of heat and start standing up and saying, you know what? I got a great God. And he's bigger than you. He's bigger than the devil. He's bigger than persecution. He's bigger than any personal offense. He's bigger than any attack on my life. That's why you got to understand some of you Christians, you've been fighting in your mind. You got to overcome it because you can't spend the rest of your life worried about you. You got to stand up and say, you know what? I got these things going on. I'm going to give them to Jesus and go forward in God. And I just trust that as I have my mind and my heart wrapped around him, he'll take care of me. What about it, Christian? What about it? Would you right now stand with me and begin to lift up those hands as they begin to play? You say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. If you're here tonight, maybe you need forgiveness. If you're here tonight, maybe you need deliverance. If you're here tonight, you say, I need I need God to heal me. I need God to make me bold. I need God to forgive my sins. I need God to help me get over my own self. 
that be the case, these old 